The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Leading us as a church next year, that you would inspire us with faith, and Lord, that you would encourage us, and Lord, that you would, um, Lord, gather us around your word and a vision, Lord, that is moving us forward in your purposes. And so we pray, Lord, that you'll help us today to hear from your spirit, uh, who is the only one that can change hearts and that can build your church. And so we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you've been a part of PCC for the last four years at least, some of this stuff is going to sound like a broken record that's just going around and around saying the same thing over and over again. Because the vision that God's given us as a church is, is the same. And it's, it's, it's not going to change from year to year to year. Our focus might change, our emphasis might change, but our vision remains the same. And it's a big vision, but it's... Not big in the sense that we're going to build, you know, three churches and plant 20 churches and do this and that and the other. It's just really the the gospel vision. That's what drives us. And that vision states that, you know, that our our heart is to see um, our city and the nations transformed by Jesus Christ, by the good news of Jesus. See, we're convinced that changed people will change the world. Changed people will change whoever they're in contact with. And and that is the, the greatest hope for the world is for us to be transformed by the gospel and to live it out faithfully. It worked for Jesus. He did it with 11 people. And I think that's the model for us as the church to be about seeing people's lives transformed by the good news and making a kingdom difference wherever they go. And so when we talk about church growth, we're not necessarily talking about numeric growth. We're talking about people growth. We're talking about growing strong authentic followers of Jesus who will make a difference wherever they go. And so our heart at PCC is for God to build His church through this church. That's kind of the language we've been using to kind of encapsulate really the essence of what we're about. Where We're not so focused on just making this church bigger and bigger and bigger. And if God does that, that's awesome. And it's exciting to see you know this auditorium filling up every Sunday. But our heart is to build God's church, His kingdom, His church, globally, locally. And we are, we're about saying, God, use what we have, our resources, our people, whatever we have to build your church and your kingdom, wherever that might be. So that's kind of where, where we've been sitting. And we've been gathering around this mission statement um, that has these three different focus, foci um, that brings out this, this vision in a more concrete way. And one is that we're committed to following Jesus we want to be followers of Jesus. Our, our mission statement is to follow Christ. Uh, secondly, to be authentic in our relationships, to love His church. Uh, we're committed to, to being loving people. And, and thirdly, to be on mission, to, to serve our city uh, and to be about gospel proclamation in word and deed. And so we've been thinking about that as our, as our mission. And we've been throwing these kind of three words around that have come out of that and that characterize a lot of what we do. And that one, one, one of those words is transformed. We really want 
to, to be about heart transformation. As a church, you know, and Vera alluded it today, I'm not interested in Sunday Christians. I really am not. I'm not interested in gathering a whole bunch of people on Sunday who go through the motions of the Christian experience and live a different life the rest of the week. It, that's not what I read in the Bible. So we're really about taking seriously what the Bible teaches and what Jesus is teaching us so that we can be transformed in our heart. And you'll hear that every time, every theme, every vision. It's not going to stray far from that. It's about transformation. The second word we've been kind of gathering around is about uh, connection or relationship. And we, we talk a lot about being in community and, and reflecting God's heart of the church being a, a vibrant, loving, healthy community and being connected to God, connected to each other in, in deep and meaningful ways. The third word we've been talking a lot about is being missional. And, and again, this idea uh, is about living outward, living outward, gathering to be inwardly transformed and then living outward where our heart is about seeing our workmates or uh, the people we study with at university and school and our neighbors to, to realize that God has placed us in those places of community to make a difference in people's lives, a kingdom difference. And so it is about being missional. And so if you've been a part of Connect Group, you would be hearing these things coming through our core values, which are about discipleship, which are about accountability, which are about being a witness. All of those things are reflected in the things that we're doing. And so I guess fleshing this out a little bit, you know, this statement might help you, um, that we seek to be, if you can put that next one up, I can read it exactly as it is. Our purpose is to be a transformed community of Jesus followers who are in authentic relationships with each other and are being equipped and mobilized to impact others locally and globally for his glory. That's really what it, all of this fleshed out is that one summary statement. That's what we're really about. So every year when I get up on Vision Sunday... This is what you're going to hear. This, this is our heart. This, this is what I believe you know, God's calling us to be and do as a church. Last year, our theme for the year was grow. Um, and it, again, it's not about growing the church necessarily, even though we were thinking that God, we want to be prepared for that structurally. We want to raise up leaders, more volunteers. We are growing and we need to care for people better. But really, it was about growing in our hearts, growing in our vision of God, growing um, in our faith. And so our preaching series reflected that, to grow stronger, to mature in our faith, because we believed that God was leading us into a season of strengthening our church, ma making us strong in our inner being, as Ephesians 3 says. And so that's kind of been our journey. And for, for me... Uh, I don't think we've left that place yet. I think we're, we're continuing in that journey. And so this year's theme flows out of that core commitment of growing and maturing in our faith. And so the word that God's really been putting on my heart is this word, kingdom. Kingdom. And um, uh, God's put lots of different passages on my heart. Um, so really, it flows down to uh, knowing what the kingdom of God is about and living this out. And so that some of the passages that God's been putting on my heart um, is John 15, verse 8, which says, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. 
That idea that God's heart is ultimately for us as a church, as individual people, to bring glory to Him. And the way we do that is by living authentic Christian lives, showing ourselves to be disciples of Jesus. Another passage that God really put on my heart is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 to 12. Um, and it says this, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. There's that kingdom language, a, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the promises of Him who called you out of darkness into His his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Now you are kingdom residents, citizens of heaven, citizens of God's kingdom. You are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, if you're kingdom people, you, you realize very quickly you don't belong here. You're a pilgrim. And you, you ought to feel that dissonance living in this different culture. And that's what Peter is saying. As foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul, but instead live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds. And there's that theme again, glorifying God on the day he visits us and then the last one comes out of Matthew 5 16 which is probably a very famous one you would know this one let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds or your kingdom culture your kingdom identity and glorify your father in heaven so these were just some of the verses as I've been praying and thinking about this year that God's just been leading me to. But probably uh, the key passage uh, that God really spoke to me out of was from Romans chapter 14. And that's where we're going to spend our time as I unpack this a little bit. If you have your Bibles or your devices, you might want to turn there. Um, Romans chapter 14, verses 17 to 19. And it says this. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Now, before we jump into the specifics, just to set some context for you. So Romans uh, chapter 14 to 16 is Paul engaging with some conflict within the church. There was some tension in the church, uh, and uh, it stemmed around disagreements about what to do with what people call gray areas, uh, about uh, the place of ceremonial stuff in the church, the place of you know, eating certain foods or not eating certain foods, you know, just some of those issues that were causing tension between some of the Jewish Christians and some of the Gentile Christians. And so Paul, in this lengthy argument, is addressing that tension and that conflict within the church. Immediately preceding this section, Paul has focused on the fact that we ought not to judge another person who is doing different things, and those people should not hold these people with contempt both people are doing the wrong thing and he's kind of advocating that they find ways to reconcile and agree together and love each other and be united as a church and he sets that in the middle of, of this section with this whole thing that we're really not in a place to judge anyone there's only one judge and that's God and he sits on the throne and he judges all of us and that all of us will give an account to him one day and so we ought to be really careful how we treat one another because we will be accountable before God our king who sits on the throne for how we've treated one another. So very much this idea that, hey, we're part of God's kingdom. And one day we have, will have to give an account to the king of the kingdom. And so be aware of how you ought to live. 
So that's kind of the, the broader context uh, that he's engaging with. And then he brings these verses that we're going to focus on. It begins with a four. And so this is an explanatory comment. And so I want to, I guess, give you some key thoughts from this passage. Three key thoughts about the kingdom and where we're going to go as a church in this next year based on this passage. The first key thought is that I really believe God wants us to have a, cl- a clearer vision of what it means to be in the kingdom. What the kingdom of God entails. What, what is it all about? A clearer vision of who God is as the king of the kingdom and the implications of that. Uh, the second thing, I think God is calling us as a church to be more closely aligned with kingdom values and kingdom culture and, and kingdom ethics and, and kingdom thinking to, to kind of really adjust our perspective and our hearts to come into line with God's kingdom stuff. And, and the third thing is uh, a more consistent proclamation of the kingdom and I think uh, really that's what God is inviting us to as a church as we move into this next season and I'll unpack and flesh out what I mean by some of those things so the first thing um, this idea of having a clearer vision of what the kingdom is about Paul begins by saying for the kingdom of God is not the kingdom of God is not See, the thing is sometimes, particularly the longer we've been in church, we get very mixed up about what the kingdom really is and what our Christian culture really is or what our you know, experience of Christianity has been or what our experience of church has been. And we do this thing where we kind of make our experience of church define what the kingdom looks like rather than kind of going, what, what is the kingdom of God about? And what does that look like? And, and what is God as king? And let that interpret our experience and go, well, hang on a second. As the church, we can get this wrong and we can, we can miss it and, and we need to adjust to this because this is what the kingdom of God looks like. And so that's what's happening in this church. These people had kind of got, gotten caught up in all kinds of things that weren't kingdom living and so Paul's just reminding them hang on guys the kingdom of God is not some of this stuff that you've made it about and sometimes we can come to wrong perceptions of what the kingdom of God is meant to be like or even wrong expectations of God in the kingdom and we assume that God is going to do certain things in his life and will we'll uphold certain promises that he's actually never made So I want us to really be clear on what the kingdom of God is about, what what the king of the kingdom of God is like. See, because Jesus said something very important in Matthew 6.33. He said, we are to seek first the kingdom of God. Now, how can we seek something if we're really fuzzy and really unclear about, well, what is that? And I believe that that's why this is important, because I think when we get a clearer vision of what the kingdom of God is like, our hearts will be drawn to that. And we'll want that. And we'll be willing to give to that and sacrifice for that and, and be uncomfortable in the process of getting there because the kingdom of God is amazing and it's incredible. And, and Jesus said that in him, the kingdom of God has come among us. And Jesus even went further and said, you know, it's more than that. The kingdom of God is in you. And I think to the extent that we really understand and appreciate and see what the kingdom of God is about, I'm hoping and I'm praying that our hearts will be drawn to seek first the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. So a clearer vision. Then Paul goes on, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So while he's saying the kingdom of God is not about some things, He's also saying the kingdom of God is definitely about certain things. It's definitely about certain characteristics. Righteousness, peace, 
joy. There is this idea that there is a kingdom ethic and a kingdom value and a kingdom culture that is here in the Bible where the New Testament will often speak to us about the kingdom of God is like. Jesus did it over and over again. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. This is what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. And so it's about aligning ourselves more and more with with God's kingdom culture, regardless of whether we've come from a different uh, ethnic culture or whether we've been shaped by the culture of our world and our day, wherever it is, to come back into alignment with what God says about the kingdom of God, to adjust our hearts to be driven by kingdom culture and kingdom values and saying, no, 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 we, we, we reject that and we don't want to be characterized by that because we are kingdom people. And like Peter says, it might make us look like aliens and weirdos and, you know, like we don't fit and we don't belong. Probably like many of you who who come from another country felt when you first came to Australia, a, a misfit a weirdo, you know, that you didn't belong and you didn't know how you're supposed to dress and how you're supposed to talk. And Only this is a permanent state for Christians. Once we've come into the kingdom, this is it. We're supposed to be, for the rest of our lives here, till God comes and brings his kingdom in fullness, weirdos, misfits, on the fringes, living counterculturally because we're living, we're aligning our hearts, we're aligning ourselves with God's kingdom and his values and his culture. He goes on to say that there's a reason why we do this. And he reminds us that it's in the Holy Spirit. And so as a church, we want to continue to to kind of leave plenty of room and opportunity for the Holy Spirit to be at work in us. This is the kingdom culture doesn't happen by you striving for it. Kingdom culture is not going to happen by you going, I'm going to be really, really good in doing that thing. Paul reminds us that all of this righteousness, peace, joy, it's in the Holy Spirit. And we're a Pentecostal church, and I love that. And we want to absolutely be about allowing the Holy Spirit to have His way, whether it's here on a Sunday, whether it's in connect groups, whether it's when we meet up with friends to catch up over coffee, for the Holy Spirit to be at work, shifting our hearts and bringing us more and more into alignment with God's kingdom in the Holy Spirit. And, and the reason, this, this Paul gives us the reason in verse 18, he says, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God. Is pleasing to God. Another area of alignment I've already alluded to is to bring more alignment between the vertical and the horizontal. You see, because Paul says the reason we do church, the reason we're part of the kingdom, the reason we live this way, the reason we pursue righteousness and peace and joy is because we want to serve Christ this way. That's, that's worship language. It's to serve Christ this way. And also because it is pleasing to God. It's pleasing to God. A couple of weeks ago when we were looking at Hebrews and I spoke about um, uh, serving one another, and I think Lewis mentioned it as well, that part of the way we worship God and part of our expression of worship to God is how we treat one another. And serving one another and doing good and being generous is sacrifices that God is pleased with. So this whole idea of this disconnect between the vertical and the horizontal does not exist in kingdom. It just doesn't exist. This idea of a Sunday Christian does not exist in the Bible. There is no such Christian and there is no such worship that professes faith in God verbally but denies Him with your life. It just doesn't exist. In fact, um, 
again, Vera alluded to this morning, there are many passages in Isaiah where God condemns his people for drawing close to him with their professions, but their hearts not being close. And Jesus quoted those same passages in his day to remind people, it's about your heart and how you live your life in the horizontal that is part of your worship to me. So don't just come and give me your sacrifices and come on a Sunday and sing songs and and go away and live disconnected from people and your heart, his heart for them. And so this alignment of the, the vertical with the horizontal, where we're really about living out kingdom with each other in terms of showing grace, Forgiveness, generosity, serving, all of those kingdom culture stuff that we bridge that gap between our profession of being kingdom people and us living that out. This is the why. You know, like in the last little while, I've had multiple conversations with different people about this disconnect. Where so many people who have experienced negative things within the church, with, with interactions with Christian people, have been so discouraged in their own journey of faith. Either because they're still new to the faith or because they're not even Christians, they're just exploring Christianity. And they've been turned off God, not just the church, because of the church. And I believe it grieves heart when there is this disconnect, when we don't align our lives with our profession. God would rather us not say we belong to him than say we do and don't live like it. So alignment, because this is the kind of Christianity that serves Christ, that is pleasing to God. And Paul goes on to say, receives human approval. Now that's a really interesting thing. And now I I need to explain that when Paul uses that word, he's not talking about that people out there in the marketplace, people out there who are not yet Christians will like us or that sense of approval, of applauding us, because Peter reminds us that when we live kingdom lives, it might bring us into hostility, persecution, rejection, oppression, all kinds of things. That's not what Paul means, and that's certainly not what Peter means when he says, but they will see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. What, what they're both saying is that when you live for Jesus, when you live like Jesus, something about that life is winsome draws people's attention to Jesus to make them question Jesus. Kind of go, man, you're so different. It's, it's, the word he's using there carries the idea of esteem or respect, not like. So people might not like you in, in your workplace because you're a Christian. They might call you names and harass you and oppress you, but there'll be this sense of respect that they have for you, even if they disagree with you. And I want to suggest to you that the more we align ourselves with kingdom culture and kingdom values and the king of the kingdom, Jesus, the more people will want to know about him. And the more we we disconnect, the more we will turn people off him because we present a wrong impression of him. And so Paul reminds us of this consistent proclamation. And I mean consistent proclamation in the sense that we're doing it all the time but also that it's consistent in that it's aligned with the kingdom. It's aligned with the king. It's aligned with our vertical profession. It's consistent with that, that our words and our lives line up, that uh, the way we're living out our faith matches the words that we are professing, that people can see that we are kingdom people. They might not like it. They might think that we're bigoted or arrogant or self-righteous or a whole bunch of things. And I want to say sometimes, Christians, we deserve those accusations. 
And I want us as, as God's people to really be moving more and more in the direction where we can still honor God and live for him to make his name great. And they might still call us those things, but as Peter reminds us, it won't be justified. And that one day they will glorify God for the good deeds that we've done our generosity and our grace and our truth speaking in love and our compassion and our commitment to help and meet needs and all of those things that the kingdom is about. The last thing he says, let us therefore make every effort. And I want to suggest to you that it's going to take work for us to do this. It says, let us make every effort to do what leads to peace. And this is the, the greatest news of the kingdom. God's shalom. God's kingdom reign. That, that's the word peace. is not just this inner, tranquil, new age, meditative feeling. that the Bible. That's not what the Bible has in mind when it uses the word peace. When the, whenever the Bible uses the word peace, it implies God's kingdom reign here on earth. God's shalom. God's kingdom purposes being unfolded on our planet. And that's why Jesus said, when you pray, pray, King, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. He's talking about let your shalom, let your peace, let your reign come. And Paul is saying that we ought to make every effort to do what leads to that. To be about that. To invest into that. Whether it's in our homes And that's what we talked about last Sunday as fathers, as mothers, by bringing God's kingdom peace into our homes. Whether it's in our workplace, where we're peacemakers, where where we're characterized by grace and generosity. Whether it's in our schools and universities, whether it's in church, whether it's in connect groups. That we make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. To building one another up, to challenging one another to helping each other grow in this area, to holding each other accountable, to investing into each other's Christian journey, to be each other's champions where we we so love one another as a church and as connect group members and as friends and as brothers and sisters that we're willing to have the difficult conversations because we love them so much and we're concerned for how they're drifting or how they're living or and, and we're doing that in so much love that they receive that word from us because they know that we're in their corner. And we're cheering them on. And we're, we're making every effort because we want to do what leads to peace. For them to see God's kingdom reign come. For them to live in the fullness of God's kingdom. For them to enjoy all the kingdom benefits that God has for them. And to not live as a spiritual pauper. Because they're a child of the king. So that's where we're heading in the next 12 months. I would love for you to be a part of that journey. But if you would like to check out, now is a good time to do that. You know, we're totally fine. But as a church community, that, that's where we're going. And you're going to see that reflected in our preaching. You're going to see that reflected in our ministry focus. Um, and you're going to see that hopefully in the heart that drives everything we do. And again, some of these stuff that we've been talking about the last four years, they're not just for the year. And it's like, okay, we're done with growing now. We can just put that aside. Now we're about kingdom. No, no, no. These are cumulative you know, it's as we go, we keep focusing on these things and we keep growing in these things. And like kingdom, that, that's like, we could have started year one with that and we could have continued on for, forever and ever. But this is what we're going to invest our prayer and our thoughts and our heart into for these next 12 months. Amen? Amen. Why don't you join me in, in praying for our church? Why don't you stand? Thank you, Father. If you feel comfortable, why don't you just lift your hands in intercession and prayer and worship and 
surrender to God and just let's really bring this before God in prayer. Father, we just bring this next ministry year to you. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. We thank you for all that you've been doing in the heart of this church. We thank you, Lord, for the way we've been journeying and, Lord, the way you're leading us, Lord, and where you've brought us to this point. And, Lord, I pray for us as a, as a community of people called out of darkness to follow Jesus. You brought us into your kingdom of light. And, Lord, we want to be kingdom people. Lord, and we ask for you to reveal the truth and the, the riches of your kingdom more and more to us, Lord. As we read your word in this year, may we stumble across and come across revelations of what the kingdom looks like. Lord, that our hearts will be stirred and our desires will be stirred so that we would seek first this kingdom. We would long for it and desire it to see it come here and now through your church. But Lord, ultimately to long for the coming kingdom through your son Jesus when he comes back. Oh God, that we would be stirred because we have such a clear vision of what life in the kingdom looks like. And Lord, I pray that you will bring us into alignment more and more. Lord, with your word, with kingdom values and culture. Lord, with righteousness and peace and joy. We ask, Holy Spirit, will you come and stir our hearts? Oh God, we need you. We can't do this on our own. Will you refresh us? Will you renew our minds? Will you stir up our hearts? Will you show us the things that we need to see in our own lives that are not aligned with you? Lord, that we might consistently proclaim your kingdom. Consistent, Lord, with our words, our lives, and our words will match, will be aligned. And Lord, that we would live lives that will point people to Jesus and they will see your glory and they will glorify you because of our good deeds. And they'll want to see Jesus more. They will desire to know him and seek him out because we're living authentic lives. Oh God, we pray, will you use us this year to, Lord, build your kingdom. Lord, will you build your kingdom? Will you build your church through us this year that your name will be glorified? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church Podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.